0: The final whistle with Austin O'Callaghan. Ocean FM.
1: This is the final whistle on Ocean FM. February has been a difficult month for Donegal, on and off the pitch. Whatever about the battle to survive in Division One. The uncertainty around the county's academy at the moment seems to be the bigger worry right now. The recent departures of Carl Lacey, followed by a plethora of county coaches, leaves a bottom line of turbulence. So why is this happening? Our Donegal GAA podcast team will attempt to answer. Plus, we've come because we've heard about the harps. That's a famous phrase down Keish and Gertjean Way Eastern Harps GAA Club in Sligo is 50 years old this year we joined the birthday celebrations which began in earnest last night And you're welcome to the programme. This is Austin O'Callaghan. And to get in touch, it's 083-3500-530 by WhatsApp and text. Sport at OceanFM.ie is the email address. And you can find us on Twitter at sport. So coming up, Linda and Ross Donovan, Kate O'Neill, Sean Scott, Seamus Hannon, Paul Taylor, and some of the girls and boys Saturday morning footballers of the future on a lifetime with Eastern Harps. The club launched its birthday, its programme of birthday events to mark 50 years last night. And it also published the new strategic plan for the Harps to help kickstart the next 50. We got our first look, too, at the new floodlights at Father Kevin Breheny Memorial Park last night. You can see them from outer space. We'll get a sense of all things Harps later in the programme. But we're going to begin with basketball because there is a bus winding its way this evening from Dublin back to Carrick in Donegal and it's carrying the Colostana Carriga girls under 16 basketball team and with them... Is an All Ireland title. They won it today at the National Basketball Arena in Talla with a forty-four points to thirty-six win over Colostha dunanri from Cavan. I think almost the entire school were courtside for the final. wasn't much schoolwork done today in Carrick. One suspects, but let's hear more about this momentous win for the school from Simon Waugh, who's an English teacher at Colostha and Carriga by day, but also the new All Ireland champions. Head coach. It's
2: a fantastic feeling. It's a long time coming. But um, so happy for the team. Like the girls work so so hard. They're fantastic with the players, and just so happy for them. The, just to the see your players really rushing to each other. They're all over. It. It's just a great great moment. Um, they want the best moments. They're really proud sporting three for the really proud sporting tuition for the school. So it, it's overwhelming. It's just, I, I don't have the words for it.
1: What should we know about this group of players who seem to have worked so hard to get to this point? All Ireland champions.
2: Um, they're a great group of players, fantastic group of players. Um, last year we had a brilliant season. Our senior under our 16s, and our first years all got All Ireland bronze medals. But our second years last year we lost All Ireland quarterfinal to ten. We're the only team in the school not to get All Ireland not to get an All Ireland bronze medal. So then this year um, we're looking to go steps better and they did that but, um our quarterfinal semi-final we played the same day two weeks ago so we beat uh, Coulton and from Kerry and Wilkins Hospital from West Reed. Um and just uh, the way the girls dug deep they were just so impressive and they've been like that all season long and then today um, we started a little bit slow we were playing good basketball We were losing 10-6 at the end of the first quarter but the second quarter we really kicked in but like, the girls had a fantastic four-court press going on they just worked so hard for each other all over the courts ran the bench a little bit the girls came on with it Huge impact as well, and but yeah, by half time we're looking to of control again. The but um, they are just so so proud of those
1: incredible team there today. How popular is basketball in the school?
2: It's popular. I think um, we were we were in the all Ireland final back in
1: 2011
2: with the senior team, and that team that was the fourth national medal. So I'm just thinking like, in the last 15 years we've been 10 national medals. Um, the boys tend to play football; the girls play basketball, but. We have the backing of the Carrick Basketball Club, and that just can't be overstated. To the success of the school without the local club there, we're we're nothing in the school. So we're just so fortunate to have their backing, and you know the youth of the A.F.C. and the market emerging, and yeah, just the whole community support in Carrick, and we're so fortunate to have that level support.
1: And you're on your way home from Dublin with the All Ireland title. I imagine there'll be quite the celebration in Carrick later on.
2: I think so I mean we've done this before With football teams You know No Ward Paddy Ball guys. how you bring teams back in the past um, So it's lovely to see The girls getting this experience We still talk about it It's true About um, 16G title a number of years back 25 years back Bonfires That kind of stuff So It's great to be getting Our turn at it Really looking forward To get back up The girls are on the high Obviously um, Yeah there's, There'll be celebrations We're back in action Tomorrow morning The first and second years of have happened So You know We're kind of Back to normal life again tomorrow morning, but great to play games once more tomorrow morning
1: as well. Yeah, no rest for the basketball coach and English teacher. That's Simon Waugh, coach to the Coloshton girls under-16 basketball team who lifted the All-Ireland Sea League title today in impressive fashion in Dublin. And I know lots of parents and family connections wondering about the homecoming arrangements tonight. They've left Cavan a short while ago. And we're reliably informed that the team will be getting a Garda escort at around about half past nine from Donegal Town. And they'll be going through et etc. We reckon they're due in to Carrick and they'll be at the school at around about 20 past 10 tonight. If you want to get the flags out and give them that big welcome home. We gather it's the first school All-Ireland homecoming in 28 years. So a special occasion tonight for Coloshton Nakarriga after that basketball success in Dublin. Our congrats To all concerned Well February has been a tough month For Donegal GAA On and off the pitch Despite beating Kerry At the tail end of January In the National League Two defeats later, the team are at the foot of Division 1. The departures earlier this month of Carl Lacey from the Donegal GAA Academy, followed by a host of county coaches, has sparked real concern about what's going on when it comes to nurturing and developing the next wave of football talent for Donegal. Three weeks on from Lacey's departure, there's been no public comment yet from the Donegal County Board. So why is all this happening and why now? Well, the latest edition of the Donegal GAA podcast is out this evening and we're going to play you an extract from it now. Here are Paddy McGill and Conor Breslin in conversation with Alan Foley, who's sports editor with the Donegal Democrats.
3: We don't know what's going on, apart from the tidbits we get here and there. There's nothing on the record. Like, I just find it amusing where, as you said, you know, Karen has gone They got to three weeks ago. No statement. You know, I do believe they are going to comment in the next week or two, but at the minute there's still nothing. And yet, on Sunday morning at twenty-five past eleven, we get a tweet saying that Patrick McBurney is undergoing a fitness test ahead of a quarter to two throw-in against Monin When the guy was clearly injured, like, we're trying to play silly boogers here with Benny Corey. He threw Jack McCarron on the team. Connor McManus came back. Sean Jones came off the bench, and they scored one eleven. So, like, who was laughing then? Um, as I said, it's the communication here that is. Proving problematic. Um, As you said, like Connor said there, I I met with Carolyn on that story about the academy, as I was encouraged to do by county board officials. I didn't do it because they asked, but when we were ringing annoying them last year about Declan Boner and what's the future or who's taking over, we were told to do a good news story for change. You do the good news story, the work is absolutely amazing. Couldn't believe it, how good it was basically, and just thought, you know what, at least we have this in our locker. And the
4: fact now it is where it's at, it's basically depressing. There's no doubt about that. Like, I don't know, like, I just think the line of communication is absolutely key. Because, again, there's that, we're devoid of actual facts. And, you know, I would prefer if people, and if people are critical and, like, somebody said to me there not so long ago, like, a friend, well, you're very pro-academy and that, and actually... No, I'm I'm pro the future Donegal football, to be honest. I'm a Donegal supporter and there's no propaganda here. It's just my own opinion. I don't really have a problem with anybody that's anti-academy once they're putting up, you know, and obviously people will say it here, getting a lot. I've never, just actually to give you a bit of context, lads, doing the podcast, was it five, six years? I'm not sure. Five, maybe? I've never, ever got more messages from concerned supporters and, and i actually mean that for me and people who say oh you've been sensationalist now for the sake of it i honestly think that this is the biggest story in ecology in my lifetime and okay you say well I, I, i'm not including 92 because it was too young for it but 2012 but it's, apart from maybe winning the all ireland this for me is the biggest story because this is not two points you're losing this is not this is not a last minute goal that you've given away or a bad kick out or a missed penalty to lose a big game. This is ripping up your entire, uh, this is for posterity, it's a nice history word for you there, Connor, that we use when we're uh, talking about world war or something like that. But we're talking about the future generations here of Donegal, and even if you're anti-academy and you don't think there should be academy, right, and that's fine, say you say, no, it costs too much, we shouldn't have an academy, let's pretend you were that person, you were Joe Bloggs in the corner, that doesn't really matter. Because, and that's fine. You're absolutely entitled to that opinion, right? If you make good arguments for that. But here's the problem with that: the problem with that is you have a chasm between people, coaches, officials, admins, and that is not good for the future. It takes a lot of time count- It takes counties a long, long time to recover from that out.
3: Absolutely, yeah. Like it was only in October that. You know convoy the donegal ga center was opened that day Kieran McLaughlin, the ulster council president was there he finished off by saying when the ga gets together and tries to do things it does them brilliantly well now this is basically the opposite of that like i understand how do you understand people are pro and anti and saying it costs too much money like these figures were agreed two years ago With these figures like this expenditure did not just happen you know it didn't come to light in december the figures were agreed, it was still under budget, is my understanding of the situation. And I just think, you know, we lost a really good man, a possible Donegal senior manager in the mid-90s. And, like, this time, 10 years ago, Donegal were running all Ireland champions. Like, we were all there, we had great days. Like, they brought happiness to the county. Paul Durkin was now involved with Sligo. Listen, these are different, case by case. I'm not blaming anybody here, but it's just to show where they're at. Paddy McGrath, but best of my knowledge, was not attached to anything regarding this. Neil McGee, after he retired, was encouraged by the county chairman to get on board with the academy. Eamon is currently with the under-20s, but as Connor said the, earlier there, the, the under-17s and under-20s are just you know ploughing on to respect the competitions they're involved in. Uh, Anthony Thompson is involved at home in Niamh Connell. Carl Lacey is now gone, and Frank McLean is one of his coaches, gone Rory Cavan in the Autumn was favoured to become the manager. He's now staying with St. Duns. Neil Gallagher is on attached patch. Ryan Bradley out of the country. Liam McFlin and Colin McFadden are both under twenties. Although Colin is involved with Sligo, you have Patrick McBurdy, who is the one guy still playing, who is now injured. The current county captain. And um, if you look through the list, then as well, Michael Murphy obviously retired. Then Jimmy Guinness is involved with Down. We hear. Rory Gallers, the manager of Derry, the Ulster champions. Michael Boyle is coaching London, and the other four lads who played on the All Ireland final twenty twelve—David Walsh, Martin Michael McElhenny, Christy Toy, and Dermot Malloy—are not involved either. And like, is this all coincidence? I don't know. Like, we had some, we have some great men here, lads, that took us, you know, to the to the top of the sport, and just like, why is this happening? That's what I want to know. And where's the way back, Alan? Where,
0: where, where's the way back because people have spoken about Carl obviously Carl's at the forefront of this because he's head of the academy okay the, the the light is going to shine on him where is there way back in in relationship building because if you're telling the county board and your coaches are saying to a county board that we've lost confidence in you I mean we're we were talking about perhaps a, a future Donegal manager here
3: yeah absolutely and you know like those even rumours, you know, with some of the tickets that were bandied around in terms of management, you know, last September, October, that the car would be part of that. Um, I don't know. I just find it amusing that we've lost all these good people. Um, I said to you before in the show, Patty, you know, we just you can't just turn up and think you're going to win anymore or, you know, that things aren't down to chance. You can see already that the likes of Tyrone and Derry are streaming away at schools level here in Ulster. Uh, we've done very well to kind of even keep a, a grip of it. Like, like we're not basically football aficionados. Like, we are not top table. You know, 1972 is our first Ulster. By then, cabinet 138. So, for us to get to 10 Ulster finals in 12 years, like, really, is it golden generation? Maybe we're a little bit spoiled, and we might take a little bit of time, you know, to realise that and realise what a golden period it was. Because at the minute, we look quite away off an Ulster final. But it it is of its time. I mean,
0: like I know people will have an argument against the academy, and I do know their reasons behind it. I wouldn't be one to agree with it. Now I I think you do have to move with your time. If it if it comes to spending money that you didn't spend ten years ago, then so be it. I mean, I was just looking at the facts there from December. You look at the All Ireland champions in Kerry, uh, last season's budget was 700,000 and for 2022 they spent 1,440,000 and when they were commented on it their secretary Tom Keane said well there's no limit to the amount you have to spend when it comes to on-field success so I think Donegal just have to get to that level now obviously Donegal may not be as financially well off in K because they did make a loss but I I was also, when I was doing my research in it, I was looking at the academy levels and and the success that it had to bring, Alan, and I went focused on Galway. Paddy, you might know an awful lot about Galway living down there, but they brought the academy in about 15, 20 years ago into Galway Hurling because they felt that, right, the skill was always there, but it was about getting the right conditioning, the right awareness on the field, and they... Bore the brunt of it, and that they, they got all the success. I think they won four All Ireland Minor Championships in a row in hurling in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and lost the 2021 All Ireland Minor Final. So clearly, these academies are working. Why people don't want to get behind it is is, is bizarre to me.
3: Well, the thing about that, Conor, is like Galway at the time got their best men <clears throat> involved, excuse me, and they built from there. You know, they felt they were in a stage where the only way was up. The danger with us is we're falling and we have now lost, you know, over 40 of our best people in those positions. You know, if they're not going to go back, you know, where do we go from here? Do we just try and reel in another 40 40 people like the the team that Carol had and Carol himself were top class? And this county, you know, in the northwest of Ireland, we have three League of Ireland clubs, you know, in an area that's not very well populated between Derry, Sligo and Harps. There might be guys that 14 years of age now thinking, you know, well, I sit around and wait, what's going to happen with this academy? Or if Jerry said he come knocking, they're going to say, OK, lads, good luck. It's the same with the coaches, you know, like the, he has the creme, de la creme of coaches. So if there's a guy coaching in the academy now who's sitting at a loose end, what if his club says to him, come on, let's take over the 14s here, you know, you've done great work, whatever. That could be him gone forever.
4: The word on the street is that there's already lads that have moved already. and. I cannot get my head around people. Like, oh, okay, there's the cost thing, right? I can't get over people saying we don't need an academy. I, I actually categorically think when I look around, we're in a province of Ulster, where six of the counties have a school system that's absolutely conducive to, we don't have that. Donegal is huge, first of all. Geograph- it's geographically disadvantaged. That's not just from an external point of view. But in Donegal, you've all these regions. You've South, you know, the Deep South, you've Southwest, east East, shone. Northwest and so on, but those anti academy, we've been to one minor All Ireland final in our history. Now, people turn around to and go, football's bad since twenty twelve. We've actually been as successful even in the club scene since twenty twelve. Maybe the style of football is different, not the standard. Been to one minor All Ireland final. I think eighteen counties have actually won it. We have not got a school structure that's conducive. Uh, as opposed to a coaching structure in that you go to your local school I went to Glenty's, right? Letcher, McAward people, Glenty's, Nardra people by and large went to Glenty's and went to the comp the teachers, the coaches came from the comp there's not big resources put in like you would have in, you know, schools in Kerry uh, Galway, Jarlet, St. Brendan's, Kerry where there's seven, eight clubs St. Brendan's won the club uh, sorry, the Hogan Cup there a couple of years ago you've Killarney Legion, you've Crokes Spa, Listery Glenfesk, you know, and there's a couple of more clubs. Um, the Furries Club, I think it's not uh, there's the their success was built off, you know, uh, that ninety-eight oh one team, you know. The likes of John Harn will tell you there, he he, he was boarding down there and hurling. You look at Kieran's Kilkenny, Flannons Clare, De La Salle were very successful. Limerick, not so much, and then they brought in Academy. Okay, our East was strong. Our school school structure is not we need because Donegal's so big, it's so spread out i remember the day fergal Hina and our draw was telling me they'd rock up in the 90s to underage training and you know you'd only know the lads from club and that and he'd say you just you'd be told a couple of weeks to go to these trials and that i think of all the counties we need an academy we need a central body that's running the whole thing um this elitist thing is another one that's really bugging me like like who are you having a, like are people having a laugh There's like there's this thing okay clubs have county players the county players may be, I know I'm digressing a little bit. The county players do miss a lot of the season. I get that. Clubs benefit from having leaders in their team. Clubs benefit from having county players. Are you telling me that Neve Connell did not benefit from having Anthony Thompson, Leo McLuhan, Brick, and Marty? Are you tell me they're not benefiting now from having Jack McKelvey. Okay, Ethan O'Donnell's gone. The Owen McGettigan's injured. They're going to. Kieran Thompson. Kieran Thompson goes back to play for Glentys. Kieran Thompson is the absolute. Alpha male in that team. He's the leader. He's the man that comes up with the big scores. Like we've had people in this podcast. We've had different types of people. We've had total club people. We've had county boys who played club, and we've coaches, managers, and obviously there's a crossover in them all. One thing they all agree on: having county boys is a good thing. So this academy, if you've got young lads, like you can't, as Eddie O'Sullivan said many moons ago, you can't un- unring a bell. You can't stop. Hyper capitalism in the GAA, like unfortunately, Lou, have spent a fortune. Claire have spent a fortune. You can't just say, "Well, it costs us. We're not going this." Because if you lose two or three years now, you're going to lose about fifteen or twenty years. That's my opinion. But the elitist thing, I, I can't buy that. And I mean, Alan, there would have been, there would have been, the door wouldn't have been closed, Alan on anybody well, that, i imagine either that, and the clubs would eventually benefited and if young lads are now walking away then the clubs are losing as well so alan it has technically it's trickled down to the clubs and it's nice for a club to have county lads anyway i know they're missing for a lot of the year i understand that argument but they're there still for the big championship days alan
3: absolutely like i spoke to Michael murphy about the academy and like the, the, it was the last line like the final word on it and he said that carol is educated in the area and the education is continuing. He's hungry for success for Donegal and for us to try and continue to develop players in a proper manner, both for club and county. As you said, there was no exclusivist. Every single, you know, underage player would have been allowed, you know, to go with their chance. It wasn't, you know, capped per area or capped per club or whatever. And they were told, like, no matter how it went, bring back those good habits to their clubs.
4: This is the future we are talking of the county uh in football and somebody might go that is absolute way over the top i i honestly alan would you agree like it's not is it over
3: the top alan no i agree, uh agree uh i just think we're going to put ourselves in a situation if this isn't resolved and then we're going to wonder why in five years time we're playing division three football or whatever like never be never underestimate how fast a, a fall can take. You can fall a lot faster than you think. There's counties that have better traditions than us that have fallen a lot further. Like even the last night, we are watching Liverpool-Real Madrid. They played in the Champions League final at the end of the last season. But for maybe, what, the goalkeeper, Courtois, Real won, 1-0, close game. Look at Liverpool this year. You can see the, the wheels have been getting off the wagon a bit. They're hit for five at home. This is eighth month later. Like the Chasm, the difference already is absolutely huge. And as I said, like there's a lot of counties who had been dining at the top table a lot more than us that have to go the whole way down. Um and there's no way that we're, you know, gonna be different from that. If if things aren't done right, the fall will occur.
0: I think uh, it was Sir Alex Ferguson who said Empire's collapse from within. I think the whole point of it, to just finish off from my point of view on the academy, is people can have their opinions on it. It's very, very different when the county board didn't make a statement on who the manager was going to be. Okay, I think that might be, from the public's point of view, just nosiness to find out who the next Donegal manager is going to be. But when 35 coaches, let's say, and the head of the academy is walking away, and not to issue a statement. It's it's really really bottling it, so it is. And I just don't see the benefit of it. I don't see why you can't just put out a hundred words, one page. This is why, and and it it can turn the t- it could turn the tide very very easily to the other side. You know, maybe myself playing devil's ad- advocate for a minute, but we could look at it and go. Well, there was really no reason for for thirty odd coaches to walk away there, but we don't know that, and we're just jumping to the conclusions. And the power is in the county board's hand. And I go back to this culture that's in the GA. Well, we know it's wrong. We we know what we're doing isn't really right, but you know, for, forget about it. It'll be it'll be grand in a few weeks. It won't be grand in a few weeks when you if this continues and you don't have coaches volunteering and you don't have an academy structure in place. I mean an academy can only benefit your county GA. I mean it can only be a positive. People can have their say on elitism and egos. I think it can only be positive. It can only develop players better. It can only get them smarter on the field. And that there is a good thing.
4: Yeah, so- and we're not fully privy to the finances thing, but again, that's where a little statement, some people have yeah. messaged me on Twitter and they've said it's cost X amount a week. Look, there's a lot of figures doing d- doing the rounds. And yeah. Twitter, Facebook, so on, the, everything can, can be manipulated. You know what I mean? You can manipulate different things. So people are saying it's, I like some I've Text messages saying it cost us a week. It costs us a week ago. Till we see statement saying
2: yeah, but the cost
4: too much. Then it can be. Then then we can start having a different conversation. But we haven't got that statement. Sorry, Alan.
3: But this was predetermined and signed off on And like Carl's quote in that interview, I did the desire for progress is still allowed for major savings to have been made on approved costs costs in the last twelve months. And like that's all we can go on at the minute. Yeah. Because as Connor said, there has been nothing to counter that.
1: Alan Foley of the Donegal Democrat, along with Paddy McGill and Conor Breslin. They were on this week's Donegal GA podcast. And if you want to listen to it in full, it's on OceanFM.ie right now. Or look for Ocean FM Ireland wherever you normally get your podcasts. Well, next to Eastern Harps GA Club in Sligo. Bit of a happier mood there. The club is 50 years young this year, and to mark that milestone last night, Harps announced a series of celebration events for the season ahead to toast their half-century. And they've also published the club's new strategic plan, which aims to chart their path for the next 50 years. More on that shortly. But the season ahead will also see Harps wearing a new commemorative jersey for their 50th birthday. And on the back of it, at the bottom, is a famous club phrase... We've come because we heard about the Harps. The story behind that catch line comes from Kate O'Neill, who's a member of the Harps 50th Anniversary Celebration Committee.
5: Back in 1993, my my brother PJ had come home from the States and uh, he had a a big banner with him uh, to do at a radio station, I believe. So, um, when Harps got to the final in 1993, we, we wanted to have something that everybody would see up on, up on the grassy bank at, at the back of the, the goals there on the cemetery end. So,
1: at Markovich Park.
5: At Markovich Park, yes. Um, now, this is, remember, um, we, we hadn't won a senior title since 1975, so this was a very big deal for the club. So, um, my brother PJ and, and uh, our neighbour Bernard Hunt and uh, a few more came up with the great idea that we would um, take the banner up to John Surles signs in Monastraden and John would put a sign on it for us sign write it for us so we came up with the um, the logo which was very apt at the time harp was a very popular drink so they had an ad on television which said we have come because we heard about the harp so we added an S. Um John Surless, um spray painted this um, banner at night and um, we brought it in a car uh, to the match. Um, three people held it at the, at the bank, at the back of the uh, cemetery in goal. So when the final whistle was blown and Harps had won their first titles in 75, we climbed the fence at Markovich Park, which is not a low fence, I might add, and ran across the pitch with this banner um, and there are brilliant photographs of it. So when it came to the design of the jersey, we always knew we wanted to put the new clubhouse on the front of it, but we wanted something that was timeless on the back of it. So, um, Brendan McHugh was was brilliant in the design of the jersey here, a fellow clubman. So, um, Brendan and myself came up with the idea that we would put that back on the back of the jersey just to balance it, and uh, I think it has turned out well. So, I hope everybody and anybody who buys the jersey um, will enjoy it, and, uh, yeah, that's the story. So, well, a
1: lot of people have heard about the Harps. Fifty years on, at this stage, Kate, you were a member of the first Eastern Harps football team, female.
5: I actually wasn't a member in 1993 because I, I was injured, but in I was I played in 1994. So, so the ladies won the first title in 1993, the inaugural year of ladies football in the county, um, and in 1994. Uh, we met Shamrock Gales again in the final, and Gales put manners on us that day in Markovich Park, so they got revenge. So, um, unfortunately, no, I didn't. I didn't win in '93, but in, I, I managed the ladies team then at a later time. So we we won us in 2001, and um, I, I had a great management team with me, so I, I got a little bit of revenge in 2001 but I, I missed out on 93. But look, that's life and that's football, and um, those are the ups and downs that go with it.
1: But your own football love affair with Eastern Harps, it's been there throughout your life?
5: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I remember my dad taking us to matches in Ballymote when, when, when Harps played their, their games in Ballymote pitch because we we had no facility here in Cage. And, um, yeah, and, and I remember those days... Um, good days bad days probably a lot a lot you know a lot of great memories a lot of people you know here tonight lovely to see old faces and new faces and um yeah it's it's look the first 50 years have flown by it's hard to believe it's 50 um but as, as you can see from the, the the clubhouse here tonight our new lights um our strategic plan which sean scott um presented there tonight um brilliant presentation very comprehensive i think the future is bright for harps i mean at the minute um we're competing in all grades and all ages ladies and men um we we you know we we haven't reached the dizzy heights that we did back in the in the 90s when we won three titles and the early 2000s when we won three senior men's titles but it's not all about winning senior championships it's about being inclusive it's about being there for the community as a meeting place, a focal point. Um, so, as I say, look, the future looks bright and um, we're, we're very lucky that we have a lot of very dedicated people here within the club area.
1: Okay, this is Seamus Hannan, chairperson of Eastern Harps GAA Club. On the face of it, Seamus, 50 years doesn't feel that old, but for you, does it feel a lifetime?
6: Yeah, and I suppose 50 years ago, a lot of us were just about born, even if we were, so... You know, for, for many people, as uh, some of the speakers said here tonight, is not very long. For others, it's a long time. But I think, what's more importantly, we've done a lot in the last 50 years. This club started off with very small beginnings and it has grown and developed into the strong, vibrant uh, club that we have now. With participation from, you know, ladies, men, boys and girls right across the ages. So we're delighted with what we have.
1: While it might be young in terms of longevity, I do have an impression that Eastern Harps feels like one of the, the big clubs of Sligo. It, it, it seems to have that sort of presence in Sligo Gaelic.
6: Yeah, and I suppose if you look at our tradition and look at what has happened down through the years, you know, we have been a very prominent club in the county. Um, two years after this club was formed, we won our first county championship and since then we've gone on to win many more championships. Um, and that's at both uh, men and women's level and you know so so we have done a lot we have had a lot of success over that 50 years and we're looking forward to a, a lot more success in the future
1: so two things really for harps this year to celebrate your half century of existence but this gathering tonight is very much about what the future might bring
6: yeah absolutely it's about what the future would bring and that's why we've used the opportunity you know to, uh, in our 50 year to launch our plan we want to share it with the community. We want the wider community to see exactly what's going on in the club, because you know there's a lot of people semi dis- semi disconnected from what's happening within the club. So tonight is a great opportunity to uh, to get our message out there and get community involvement, which is what it's all about. This club is more than about football. You know, it has a very strong community element in it. We have a very strong, healthy club. There's a lot of stuff going on outside of football, which you know brings people that. You know, don't have a direct interest in football, or don't play the sport. There's there's other opportunities for them within the club, and that's what we uh, strive to do um, at all times: is involve the entire community.
1: We saw a map of the geography of Eastern Harbours Football Club. You know the Cash area, the Gertrude area, to Ballinafada. It's a vast expanse in terms of space, not necessarily in terms of population. Yeah, and we get plenty of slagging about that too. Um,
6: We get lots of slagging from uh, within the county especially. But when you look at the area, it is is geography, we have a big area, but it is a sparsely enough populated area with not very many uh, population centres, to say the word, but I think a lot of other clubs probably don't accept that. (laughs) What is your own personal ambition for Eastern Harps? Look, my personal ambition for Eastern Harps is to, we've come a long ways, uh, we have very fine facilities, and now we need to move it to the next level. And of course, on the field, our, our, um, our ambition is to get back, get back into senior championship and get back to what we've been used to, because this club has been used to success. We've been used to winning, and we've been used to being at the top. And that's my ambition for this club within the next few years. And we're getting there. We have a very strong underage uh, t- uh, teams coming up. Underage football is probably at its strongest that it's ever been within the club, so there is certainly hope, and you know I don't think we're too far away from that.
7: My name is Carmel Tahane and I've been involved in the Healthy Club Committee here at Eastern Harps for the last number of years, and I sat on the uh, 50th commemoration anniversary year um, to do to design what we would do for celebrations for the year ahead. What's the big attraction
1: for you to be part of Eastern Harps?
7: Um, I suppose my son started to play with Eastern Harps when he was only probably six, seven, and uh, I couldn't believe the enjoyment that we all got out of it. Like, I mean, the underage football is probably the best football that you can have, and you get the most enjoyment out of it. When you see your son play and senior football, you kind of start to hide and not want to go to football anymore. But I decided then, I had health issues earlier on, and um, when I got better, I said I must give back something. And somebody approached me then about the healthy club when it started off in 2013 and they told me they were taking me to crow park for a day out but i should have known there was no such thing as free lunch <laughs> and um, became very involved in with the healthy club committee and uh, it's unbelievable what the healthy club has done for the wider community and particularly during the COVID times give us a sense of that because
1: people think eastern harps you think success on the pitch and trophies but there is this part of eastern harps football club around a healthy lifestyle for the community that seems to have taken off here in the last couple of years.
7: Yeah, I suppose um, as the years have progressed, people have become more health conscious and more aware of uh, their keeping fish and people are living longer and all of that yeah. we are. And uh, in the beginning, um, you know the way there was an awful emphasis on um, health and well-being and mental health and all of that. And everybody has mental health, so they have. And how we look after mental health is really important. So looking after your mental health is about doing all of the right things in terms of eating right, sleeping right take an exercise, and all of those things contribute to your mental health. Now, there is serious mental health, and there is mental health that is kind of, everybody has it, and they have to deal with it. Everybody has problems, everybody has issues at times, but sometimes they need a little help. Some people will need more help, and they will need a, a different setup. But in terms of looking after yourself on a day-to-day basis, it's important that you keep all those things, the three things, the three key things, in terms of your, your eating, your sleeping, and your exercise.
1: You're also helping with the 50th birthday celebrations this year for Eastern Harps. Tell us briefly about a lovely weekend you've got planned in June.
7: Yeah, the 23rd of June we're uh, uh, starting off with uh, an ecumenical service here at the clubhouse and then we're going to have a kind of an armchair interview of people's experiences and involvements over the years, you know, done in a very light-hearted way with nice storytelling and all of that and then we're going to um, repair to the Mayfly Inn in Balnafad for some, I suppose, more abandonment in terms of the storytelling there and the following morning then, um, Eastern Harps Club was formed between the Gurchin area and the Cash area back in 1973. Uh, so we're going to have a memorial walk from um, Gurchin, where the convent's field in Gurchin is now a nice pitch, but it was just a field in where people used to play football, down here to the clubhouse in Cash, And we're going to hopefully have the older people and some of the people that would have been here at the foundation of the club Um, to start off the walk and we might give them a rest and people will take over then the walk and then we'll gather up more people along the way. And uh, we'll have some refreshments here at the clubhouse when we get here then. And then there's a fun day planned for the pitch for all age groups, uh, a sporting fun day on the pitch.
2: My name is Owen.
7: And what age are you, Owen? I am five. My name is Ty,
2: I'm eight. My name is Connor.
7: My name is Danny and I'm seven.
1: What's the best thing about playing with Eastern Harps, would you say?
7: Being football. My
0: name is Sirsa and I play with the under sevens.
8: And she's here every Saturday morning. So she loves it. Yeah. What's the best thing about playing on Saturday mornings? Um,
0: get lots of practice
1: and it's
8: very fun. My name is uh, Sean Scott. I'm the Planning and Development Officer with Eastern Harps GA Club for a number of years. How timely is this strategic plan for the club now? I suppose it's very timely. Uh, our, we've really culminated our last plan in the last c- couple of years ago, just before COVID, with the development of this clubhouse uh, that you're in here tonight. So I suppose it's, it was timely to, to close 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 that off and move forward and, and see what the next, uh, what the future holds in terms of future development for the club. We don't want to stand still, we want to keep walking, we want to keep running, keep moving, keep the club moving forward. And we have a number of exciting developments uh, that we're we're pursuing at the moment uh, as outlined in our plan. It is a big
1: undertaking, particularly in 2023. I know you have 50 years of experience, the club has, but the scale of, of work that's behind keeping a club going is pretty immense.
8: Yeah, as I outlined there to the, to to the attendance, the, the scale is absolutely incredible. Like to run a club now is almost like running a small corporate entity. Um, you know, the cost of running a club, you're in six figure sums and, and annual costs in a big in a, in a you know good sized club like ours. Uh, and then you're looking at trying to keep capital projects uh, funded. And you know, as I said in, in my talk, there if we don't do the work, we don't we don't access money from the centre from the state, and and that money gets lost elsewhere either in the county, but. More, more often than not elsewhere in the country so you know it's a bottom up approach in the GAA and if the volunteers don't do the work uh, the facilities won't happen it's, it's as simple as that
1: As the club celebrates its 50th birthday what would you say is Eastern Harp's greatest strength right now?
8: I think the unity and purpose of the club is, is, is its strength uh, as I outlined we have a, a number of, of very hard working committees within the club we have a very strong executive uh, focused executive on the back of a recent constitution that we've developed recently so uh, everyone ha- knows their role knows their responsibilities as I said we, we outline, we've outlined terms of reference for every group within the club so it's a, it's, it's a common purpose and we're excited about what we want to do we know where we're going we know what we want and uh, everyone is working the same goal and that's exciting
1: well, this next person is well known as a councillor, but it's the football version of Paul Taylor. I'm interested in right now because this is where you were reared. You're not quite fifty yet, maybe not too far no, away. But, <laughs> but I mean, this has been a lifetime for someone like you growing up with this club. Ah, yeah, sure.
9: This is, I suppose, this is me. Um, this is why I probably am where I am today, and what you've mentioned uh, at the first way I am a councillor. Um, football was very good to me, uh, my club was very good to me, Eastern Harps was very good to me but it was always my first love as, as a footballer and, and probably will always be that for me. Um, we great years out there on that pitch, it's great to see the new lights out there tonight, um, there's a great new facility here, there's a great um, committee working here towards striving to make things better um, facility-wise and I suppose for for playing-wise in the club and. Um, for ladies and men's G in this club. But, uh, like, you know, we've, we've had super years here, super years. What is your earliest football memory with Harps? I suppose I, I played at eight years of age in, in an under-12 divisional final against Ballymote. We lost. Uh, but even back then you were playing up? Even back then we were playing up. Um, and, you know, at that time we were... That time we were, were put into the back of, uh, of of the van, maybe 10 or 12 of us, I probably shouldn't say that now, but we were and brought to games and brought for an ice cream maybe after games and something like that then. But, you know, they were great days and that's where it all started. But I think the friendships um, that we made or I've made from an early age and still have them, I think that's the standout for me. Um, yes, the success was great, but... The crack having it was, was was unbelievable. And I think that stood just down through the years here in this club. Um, and, you know, if you see here tonight, there's so many past players here. and um, Everyone still gets on so well together. Everyone socialises together when the time comes. And, you know, look, at it, it's, it's great to see such a crowd here as well.
1: And w- one last thought. I mean, growing up, you were one of them to play football and be out having the crack and playing the games. And when you are a young fella, you don't think so much about what your club means I gather at what age does that start to kick in at what stage in your life I think it
9: only clicks in when you're not able to do it anymore to be honest um, you know you you certainly learn to appreciate it more and you know you appreciate being able to play more coming later in years Um, but certainly when you finish I think that's and when you're not able to do it anymore that's when you look back and you think well you know could have done some things differently should we have done some things differently um, but I certainly wouldn't have changed anything that we had around here uh, we probably underachieved a little bit some might say you're lucky to have what you have and I, I think that's that's a fact but probably underachieved a little bit and that's probably one thing but I, I wouldn't change anything and uh, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't change anything around here and as I say it's you know it's great to see yourself here and um, Sean Carroll and Raymond Carden and everybody here and you know there's people here from other clubs as well and we're looking forward to a good year off the field anyway hopefully we're looking forward to a good year on the field and you know hopefully there's more success in the future
1: historically this is a merger between Cash and gurchin do the
5: internal rivalries like that still still manifest themselves from time to time no not at all absolutely not i mean i'm i'm from the gurchin side of things i'm i live between gurchin and monastraden um but no, that is never an issue. Never has been an issue, as as far as I can see. We're, we're, you know, we're we're very loyal to it, to the club, to our area where we come from. And just because you have a big um, catchment area geographically doesn't translate always in that you're going to have a huge pop- playing population so um, as I say, look, it's lovely to see people from the different regions um, but no, it's never an issue, n- n- never an issue. Um, and, and and look, we had the red of Gertsheen and the blue of Keish there on the back of the New Jersey so that's a nod to the past and to the people who really came together back in the late 60s, early 70s when there was huge rivalry and, you know, kept it going, you know, had knockbacks, but they got there. And then when the Senior Championship was won in 1975, I think that solidified the union. And it has, it, 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 it's, it's gone up and up and up ever since. So, look, no, it's never an issue.
10: I'm Linda Donovan, and I'm the coaching officer here with Eastern Harps GAA Club. Uh,
1: not the only Donovan coach in the club which should be at it.
10: No, maybe. Uh, I, I do call myself the number one Donovan coach in our house, but no, married to Ross, or Ross is married to me, as I do like to say, and uh, we've three kids. Uh, two of them are playing with the club and loving it, and little Rosie is coming along now at our nursery club at under five as well. So we're we're heavily involved in the club both coaching and playing and I suppose I've grown up with this club it means the world to me and um, we're just here talking tonight about the 50 years and our first uh, winning team in 1975 was captained by my father so I suppose it's steeped in history in my house and um, my late father I should say and I suppose why I'm here and why I keep so involved it's just to keep his memory alive as well and it means so much to us.
1: Indeed, and it is all about family. There aren't too many husband and wife coaching teams in GA clubs, or maybe there are, I don't know. I, I don't know if too many in Sligo, but the husband is here, so we better bring him in. You've, you've mentored him well, Linda, but Ross Donovan, you're part of the furniture here, even though you're still a relatively young man. Um, what is your earliest memory of being around this place? Oh, Jenny uh,
11: I suppose the underage, when I came down. I was under 12 then. I don't know It's there 8s and 10s. Um, but I suppose, yeah, definitely coming down. I'll I tell you, the highlight for me was the game of pool and a mineral on the way home. At the, well, Fox is there. But uh, no, look, the training, um, we had the, the launch tonight of the 50th year. Um, a lot of the lads I started off with were here this evening. Like, you know, like Paul McGovern was there was chatting in for a long bit. Francis Cannon, I was talking, to, actually coached us. Uh, not at under-12s now, but through some of those years, I think it was 16s or minor. Um, But to see all, again, still involved and it's like a big circle, you know, you you stay on it long enough, you come back to the start and you go again, I
1: think. Am I allowed to ask, can Eastern Harps take some of the credit for putting you two together?
10: Uh, possibly, yes. We we would have met maybe down here on Cage pitch. You mentioned Paul McGarvin a few times. We got a lift home in the one pickup truck. Maybe that was the start of it all, was it, Roz? But uh, certainly, no And the football matches and going and following each other and family and everything, we we definitely were all involved.
11: She obviously seen me play as well, Austin.
10: Are <laughs> <laughs> you seen me play? <laughs> But uh, no, without a doubt, it means the world to us, this club. And I think you go back to Ross, your earliest memories. I'd say, Ross, if we look at our schools and the banter, we still have, like Ross went to Colfada and I went to Cairn. And we always talk and joke, Ross feels Cairn was the best school in the club we would maintain. it was uh,
11: (laughs) Colfada I was
10: now. (laughs) I suppose it's so important and what Ross is doing now and what Eastern Harps has developed and going forward this club development officer role and being able to have Ross this year going into our schools you're looking at where does it start it's the kids it's in the schools and it's our club and that's what developed our kids into the adults and makes our community was it is what it is today as well so it's so important.
1: People talk, Ross Donovan, about their abiding memory of the COVID pandemic. One of mine will be watching your online videos in the hall of your home where you were doing coaching, keeping the thing going. And, you know, I know, not not, not stretching from that, but a lot of people within this club are excited about what Eastern Harps is producing at an underage level. Like, you know, messing aside, you're starting to see the fruits of your labours and coaches before your labours.
11: Yeah, well, look, I think it's the labours of the club because, like, it's not just one coach or that. I suppose that was one thing we done and I suppose it, it, it got a bit of banter and a bit of, a bit of fun going. Um, the four-year-old at home still talks about that. Um, I think there were some of her best evenings. Um, but, look, as a whole, it's 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 very hard to single anyone or any few people out to what goes on because, and, and Sean touched on it mighty there tonight, um, it's the stuff off the pitch too. You know, we're using the dressing rooms, we're crying for lights for I don't know how long and now they're here but it was for stuff that half and I jeez I'm not being harsh on half the players that they don't realise what goes on off the pitch to put in place for them like and not an injustice to them or anything but we just don't think when we're there to play and train that's really all that goes through our minds I was there long enough i am managing now oh my god the stuff we take for granted as, as players is unbelievable but all the work that goes like and even behind us here as we speak like there's people there you'll never see them down at a training session but my god they're, they're involved with everything else that goes on in the club and, and it's immense like
1: and Linda, when you have people ar- surrounded, surrounding you who are as passionate about the club as, uh, as you seem to be, that makes it easier.
10: Oh, without a doubt, Austin and Ross touch on it there. We've committees, and I suppose I sit on a lot of them, but it's just they're so passionate about driving this club forward and like Sean Scott Seamus Hannan Kate O'Neill they're just a portion of them but it's just what this club means to them and driving them on Ross says the coaching and the football what we do is just a tiny minute we're looking at what we've been through the last few years Covid this club has been through tragedy our club has brought us through those tragedies down through the years, we've come together as a community and I've always said it and we had an evening here a few weeks ago it's not always about the winning, to me being here together and as a community is, is what it's all about and we are winning by doing that so if by having this facility our five year strategic plan I'm hoping it'll be a 50 year strategic plan it's keeping us all together as a community and all those driving forces behind it that's what it's all about.
1: Linda Donovan and her coaching assistant Ross ending that report from Eastern Harps GAA Clubhouse. And as Carmel Tahani signalled earlier, the main 50th anniversary celebrations will take place on the weekend of June 23rd to 25th. A reminder, this programme is available as a podcast on oceanfm.ie and wherever you get your pods, we're back next week. Same time, same place.